All right, everybody, welcome to the very first episode of the Soda City Sit-Down Podcast. Um, I'm going to be, I guess, kind of the uh, host, if you want to call it that. Um, it might change around in the future, but uh, um, so I'm Tyler. Um, I'm from Columbia. Um, we're all Gamecock fans here, um, I think, for the most part. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about that primarily. Um, and give you a little bit of everything, um, some NFL, um, some NBA, whatever's really going on um, when football season uh, comes to an end here soon and then rolls back around. It's really going to be um, a lot of great takes coming through for you there. And uh, that's really where we're going to hit home the most, but um, we, we have stuff for everything. But uh, like I said, uh, my, I'm Tyler and we're going to switch it off and let everyone else introduce themselves. All right. So yeah, uh, I'm Andrew Marino. Everyone here is probably just going to call me Marino, but um, I am a Columbia native Grew up watching South Carolina, everything. Um, went to school at Auburn, so I got a little bit of uh, uh, fandom there. And then in terms of NFL teams, or in terms of professional teams, you got the New York Jets, New York Rangers, and uh, New York Mets. So those are my teams, and that's kind of uh, me. Yeah, being a Jets fan's rough. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Matthew. I've grown up in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, been a Gamecock fan. Diehard Gamecock my whole life. Um, other than that, specifically, uh, huge Portland Trailblazers fan, so pulling for Rip City at this time of year. Um, I'm also a specialty in celebrity boxing, so, you know, anything is anything's possible. Jake Paul and Neeson Gim coming up here soon. Uh, my name's Jay. I'm from Columbia as well. Uh, I support all of Washington Redskins, Wizards, Caps, and the Nationals. We won the World Series. Let's go. Uh, besides that, keeping it moving, and I'm our NBA specialist. What's up? I'm Clayton Brandenburg. I'm also from Columbia. Grew up a diehard Gamecock fan my whole life. Other than that, the only really team I have are the Panthers. Uh, we'll see how this year goes. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I don't really watch – I don't really have a team for like, NBA or anything else. And uh, go on to our last uh, host. Right, last but not least, I'm Austin. Uh, I'm from Somerville, South Carolina. I'm, of course, also uh, – I'm a Dolphins fan and a Thunder fan, so I do not know what winning is like. It's rough. It's terrible. Uh, I will probably be sad most days on this podcast, but okay. I'm with you there. <laughs> we got a sad podcast. The Redskins are, aren't much better. Hey, well, I forgot to mention it. I'm a Ravens fan, so I might be the happiest one here um, oh, for now. For now. I feel like I might have my heart ripped out of my chest the second <laughs> we get a high ankle sprain here coming. So, um, but we'll get to the NBA – not NBA, wow. Um, we'll get to the NFL um, a little bit later. Um, I think we really want to start this out with bowl season. Um, you know, it's the end of the college football season, so it's pretty exciting. And um, we've got a couple of big games coming up, but really just one big game, the college football playoff national championship um, with the mighty LSU Tigers and the team that we all love to hate, the Clemson Tigers. So uh, we want to get into that. Um, that's coming up Monday night. And uh, in really in LSU's backyard in the Superdome down in New Orleans. So let's see uh, who really wants to kick it off with that and, uh, and bring some of their hot takes for this uh, this glorious matchup we've got coming up. I'll start out. I mean, I I'm currently living in New Orleans, place where right in the backyard of LSU territory, and 
the place of the national championship. And uh, I, I've been hearing a lot of LSU fans all year. And at the start of the year, I was thinking that they were a little full of it. Uh, LSU, you know, they've never had an actual offense. But <laughs> after seeing them this entire year, I think there's no way they're going to lose this game. I mean, they're raw. They're minus six. That's the spread right now. Man, like, Joe, Joe Burrow is the truth. I, I don't bet often um, or really ever, but when I saw that LSU-Oklahoma over-under, I think Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in college football right now. Well, yeah, I think he's definitely the best college uh, quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He won the Heisman. The real question <laughs> is just like, not just him, but their whole offense. Their their scheme is incredible. They have two two to three first round wide receivers too. Like, I just don't see Clemson being able to stop them. I mean, Clemson played played well against Ohio State. I mean, they only gave up what like twenty twenty what twenty something points. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, it wasn't even that. Defense played yeah. played well. But I think LSU is just on another level of football this year. And not only this year, but just the, to end the year, they're just on a tear. Yeah, I mean, this- what, what's the stat for them they have? They have a 4,000-yard quarterback, 2,000-yard wide receivers, and a 1,000-yard running back, or is it 2,000-yard running back? I think it's a 1,000-yard running back. Just one? Yeah, I mean, yeah. regardless, that's insanity. I mean, the Clemson and Venerables – Hate to say anything good. I mean, obviously he he's always got that defense ready to go, but I just don't know how he's going to have a a plan for what he's got coming up on him on Monday night. Um, to speak on the score that you were talking about earlier, Tyler, it was twenty nine twenty three. Clemson won. Also, I believe Clemson only let up one touchdown, if I remember correctly. One, maybe two touchdowns. Well, it depends. Yeah. Are you talking about touchdowns that they? Scored or touchdowns that actually counted because that gets a little bit of a, a gray subject. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a whole nother thing. I I still just don't understand how they're gonna overturn that call. It's he did not yeah. make a football move. How many steps does it have to be nuts. before it's a football it, move? It's not stupid. in the rule book that steps. There's in nowhere in the NCAA rule book. If you pull it up, it does not classify steps as a football move. It is all based and judged by the referee and his team. Well, yeah. I think that was a pretty I'd, I'd honestly judgment. have to. I'd have to kind of agree in a way. So I guess my snap judgment of it was. It looked like an incomplete pass on the field, but the officials called it a fumble. Yeah. And with that call, obviously, they're going to go to the booth on that no matter what. And when I, when I watch that replay, I'm like, this is so close. Because truly, what is it and isn't a catch is so hard to figure out. And when we saw that play happen, the three steps were there, but you also never really saw him bring the ball to his body, so it's hard to say he ever really had possession of the ball. But it, my, I guess my thought about it is, is the way that the referee looked at it, saw that they made that call on the field and was able to overturn it, saying that there was clear evidence. I, yeah. that's, that's just kind of tough for me to see from the referee. Whether you thought the call was supposed to be one way or the other, I, I truly don't know how they overturned it. 
Well, I, that's what Clayton and I have spoke about this at least off the podcast. And the thing is, is like Clayton was saying, you have to go with the call that was placed. Like there is no way that you can overturn the call that they made because on that aspect in that heat of the game, like how are you going to determine after a review? I think I think yeah. Clayton agreed. He said if it was called an incomplete pass, there would be no issues. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's my thing. It's like like it's close like it's obviously close but going away with what was called on the field is my problem and like we're all like pretty much anti-clemson but like i wouldn't have been if it had gone in clemson's favor on the field and not have been overturned to a fumble and touchdown i would have been like all right well like i would have been a much less of a big deal than the way that it actually played out Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. But he, here's the other thing about the football move in the NCAA rulebook and that it says when I read it, um, a lot of it is moving forward. He never moved forward in his actions. I understand like cutback routes and things like that. You're always moving backwards, but he never moved forwards in his progress. So the three steps is still somewhat negated since he never really fully had possession of the ball either, even was, though he caught it high and then brought it down. Was he not like going forward in his three steps? Like they were no, all just no. straight down. Like, no, they weren't, they weren't, they were all diagonal, like moving backwards. Yes. I just kind of like truly feel like it, both sides have an argument. There's scenarios where you could say one was the right call and one wasn't. Um, yeah. It's just like, it pains me having watched this, like, team and their big games for so long to just know that while this may not have been an egregiously bad call, it may not have been a great call, whatever your opinion on it was, it just seems like these plays always seem to go their way. In the last five years. Especially in the big games. Wasn't wasn't there something about the refs as well, where they were from another game during the season? That was like a really bad game. Yeah, South Carolina-Florida game. Yes, and uh, the game was terribly officiated. They were bad. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we need to give a recap of what happened Let's try and stick to this topic of the bowl games, but let's just say that that wasn't the first poorly refed game that those refs were in. Absolutely not. And I think it is best, like you said, to just leave it at that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so, a big night, big night. Uh, Clayton, how, I mean, how was the city preparing for everything? Is it starting to rev up there? Are you noticing anything different? Well, I haven't started noticing too many Clemson fans here yet, which, thank God, gotten <laughs> away from the orange. But uh, I can tell you, everybody around here absolutely loves LSU. Like, it's not like South Carolina where there's two teams and you have the rivaling South Carolina and Clemson fans going at it. Everybody in the state of Louisiana loves LSU. They have no other real teams. So. Exactly. So since, like, I don't think it's being stated enough, like, how big of a deal it is that the national championship is in New Orleans. I think LSU is going to have a huge advantage that because they're basically playing at home. And that LSU just has that even extra advantage on here. You know, yeah, I think, you know, you're, I think you're sleeping on Tulane here. They won their <laughs> bowl game, game, man. Come on. Oh, dude. yeah. And, and there's and, Reno and, you know, too. I, well, I want to say two things about the championship game being in New Orleans. Number one, what's crazy, if you look back at it, how many times LSU has made the national championship game when it's being played in the Superdome? 
And we can't overlook the fact that the last time this happened, they got beat 21 to zero by Alabama. They didn't even cross the 50 yard line, but what one time. So everyone's talking about it being a home game, but the last time it happened, it, it really wasn't quite that way. It's true. That's also yeah. considered just one not of the, the best same Alabama team. teams of all time. It's not though. the same yeah. team. I agree. It, this is, this is a whole all. new animal in this LSU team, that's, unlike that's, anything I, I've seen. I will them. say this, and I, I hate to bring up Trevor Lawrence. The kid is nasty, though. The kid yeah. is. That, he that might be the best off, road please. quarterback in college right now. He just doesn't get phased because Brett Venerables is just going to change their defense and throw different schemes and throw crazy blitzes constantly at LSU to pressure Joe Burrow, who's been pressured 39% this year. But look at what he's done when he's been under pressure, and especially in the last couple of games in the SEC championship and the playoff alone. He's had some phenomenal throws when it seems like his back is up against the wall. I will say something about Trevor Lawrence that I really started to see recently that I just did not expect was his running capability. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look fast at all, but then he just doesn't get caught. I mean, maybe he's just so tall that that his running doesn't look that fast. I think it's like nobody's catching him. I think it's because he's seven yard touchdown run. Well, he was listed as a pocket passer coming out of the coming out of the ESPN in the 24-7 class. That's why him and Justin Fields could be both number one quarterbacks coming out of their class. So I think that's why people don't expect him to be super fast. Also, he's just a super good thrower. And when you have tall quarterbacks that are super good throwers, you would just expect them to do their three drop back set and then sling it. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of position matchups in this game to watch. Um, obviously, LSU is not necessarily known for their defense. Um, but I think where they where they do have a very like good strength in their secondary, um, with their corners and safeties, I believe just about all of them are guys that are fairly very have been very highly rated as well as like guys who could go pro after this year, potential first rounders. So that'll be interesting. And for me, like I just want to see how this offense will play against this LSU offense will go against this Clemson defense because and this is one of it's going to be a great yeah. great matchup I'm yeah. really looking forward to see how uh Clemson uses Isaiah Simmons I think he's the best player on Clemson's team even better than Trevor Lawrence yeah the dude is a, he's a linebacker he plays corner safety you can line him up anywhere and he's their leading sack and tackler on their team I'm pretty sure the dude is nuts like is I think ETN only had like what 30 yards rushing last game. Um, you know, he actually, if you know LSU has a lead, kind of like Ohio State did, is you know, Trevor Lawrence going to put the game? ETN had 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Looks like Austin's having a little bit of issues. ETN with had this. 10 rushing, right, three receptions. He had three, yeah, three receptions for 90 yards. He only had That's 10 rushes for 36 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, saw, I saw his receptions. That's insane, though. So he can come out of uh, the back. He can come out of the backfield on their bubble screens and everything. Yeah, he can do just about anything. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to make some score predictions. Yeah. yeah do the over under. Minus six and a half or minus six for LSU. Would you take it or drop it? I'm taking LSU minus six and a half. Or it's I minus six. It. Minus Either six. Way. What do you think it's going to be? 
I, I think LSU wins. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I, I'll take LSU 42-35. Oh, that's good. Ooh. Good score, good score. Hey, does anyone have the uh, the um, line on the total point scored in the game? That's exactly what I'm looking for right now. All right, um, all right. Let's see if I can find it. I would project – oh, it's a huh. – Wait, let's see. Yeah, LSU opens as a five and a half point favorite. Over under is sixty nine point five. Nice, nice. I'd probably yeah, that's that's a real nice line. I'd, I'd probably yeah, have to go right. over there again. The Oklahoma LSU was about seventy five, and I think this game will have a little bit more defense. But well, I, I think uh, I still LSU see it being pretty high. Yeah, yeah, just about. <laughs> it, <laughs> it sure seemed like they were going to get there. They got there in the first half. Yeah. yeah, Joe Burrow, most insane. Seven. I mean, yeah. what, what was it? Eight touchdowns? Seven in the first seven. half? Seven that, I mean, the uh, probably the best single game performance in probably Absolutely. college football. I don't think Does there's that, anyone know what happened the last time these two teams played? Uh, let's uh, not talk about that. Um, I think honestly, every Clemson fan in the country yeah, exactly. has talked about that. Um, that was the Chick-fil-A Bowl um, a number of years ago. Was it 2013? 2012, 2013, I think. 2012. 2012. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure that. it was followed by a ridiculous Dabo quote that we've all heard. Yeah, that was uh, could do without. That was probably the game that got Clemson here right now. Um, it, it just mm-hmm. igniting that spark to become what they have in the last five or six years. Unfortunately, um, all because of that that fourth down conversion by Taj Boyd. And uh, and really the rest is history after that. So I think uh, I think every Clemson fan that I've seen bringing that up has has pointed that out that that is the turning point for the program and and it really is just rough to see. I mean, Clemson's legitimately the in the next Alabama. Like they're not going like Alabama will always be good, but I don't think Alabama will. I think Clemson has taken a leap over Alabama. I, I think they're a, above and beyond most programs now. They're All like right, so when did we kick dynasty. him off the podcast, boys? This, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you kicked me off, but you can't deny the legacy. Unfortunately. No, it's, uh, it's definitely looking that way. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Alabama was really nothing um, at the way they – close to what they were, you know, at the end of the previous decade or, you know, in the middle of it at least. And, you know, dynasties can end just as quick as they start. So you never right. – you never really know. What does our uh, resident Auburn fan think about all that? Uh, I'm I'm super happy. You you don't even understand how happy I am to see Alabama not even be in the playoffs this year. Um, I think I think Alabama's probably going to have a slump year. They're not going to do terrible next year, but I definitely don't think they're going to be as good. They might lose one or two games earlier in the season, but uh, they- you know, losing Tua is going to be tough. Um, I, I assume they're going to get some transfer, great quarterback from somewhere. They're probably not going to keep the quarterback they have now. They but, have the uh, number one quarterback coming in. I know that. Yeah, yeah. That's, so I mean, that's be which is no surprise. Classic. They'll probably have yeah, some some you know young guys, some rookies coming in that are going to do well. But that that core was a, how many wide receivers they have that like had like had some amazing I mean, stats. Literally, in those wide receivers. the four of Alabama's it's wide receivers all could all be yeah. playing in the pros right now. They could yeah, three of them. I think are receiving core. The one, the one freshman that went off against your uh, Auburn, or is he a freshman or is he a so- I think he's a sophomore actually. Yeah, yeah Waddle's the only one that's not Waddles. leaving. Yeah, yeah, he's the only. So, I mean, one they're definitely going to lose that core, it's, but I mean, again, it's 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 hard to keep them out of any any uh, playoff talks or you know any any big like end of the year talks, but. 
We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's not going to be bad. Tua, I mean, that's a good transition here. Tua leaving for the draft. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't for sure if he was going to do it. I really do support him leaving for the draft, though. Yeah, I was I was kind of shocked about that. I uh, A lot of the stuff that I was seeing was really pointing towards him maybe staying another year, and I don't think that would have been a bad decision either. Um, but I definitely think he has the talent to still be a – uh, a very early draft pick, probably probably a second quarterback off the board now with uh with Burrow having the year he's had, but uh, I, he's going to my Dolphins. We all I <laughs> I have a completely different thought about Tua. I think not only is Tua not going to go in the first half of the first round, but Tua it, Tua will be a bust because he's not going to be able to play. I, I agree that Tua's injury I, yeah. will be severe enough that he will never be back to being the same. Yeah, and that. He he needed to go to the NFL right now because if he had stayed in college, yeah, he would not have been able to get drafted next year because there would be too many injury. I concerns. mean, it's a different, it's a different like we have we have more technology in terms of medicine, but this is the same injury that that you know ended Bo Jackson's career. So it's well, like I saw that was, that was that. not. I haven't really heard official. that. Damn. Yeah, I so heard I mean, that, like, but I I heard that was disputed. Uh, I heard okay. they said that it really was not that same kind of injury. And then, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, Bo Jackson continued playing a little bit on on a not completely right healed, healed hip where where you know two was. Taken. I think that's what it was. Yeah, he got his surgery and then he quit football because it was too unsafe. And then he went and played baseball for the rest. Yeah, of his it was career, it was him playing on it that I think is what did most of the damage. Um, the dude also but, ran four one three. We'll say uh, orthopedic surgery has come a long way since then, though. So <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, been a little while. Yeah, a resident physical therapist here. Yeah, uh, it's a lot no. easier to come back from that. Clayton, yeah. you're 100 percent right though. He's a he's. I disagree that he's gonna drop or into. The, I think he's still first half first round pick. He's for sure just trying to make his money though. And I think if he came yeah. back, he was gonna fall. Yeah, no, 100 percent. It was the right choice to go to the NFL draft. Yeah, so I see a bunch of people saying like, why didn't he stay? That wasn't right. He's for sure locked for a number one pick next year. No, I think that's true Trevor either. Lawrence. He's got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Trevor Fields Lawrence. coming out. Yeah. That's yeah. why. That's why he's going to be a tough class next year. I don't like. I definitely think that the way people are projecting him, that it was a good idea for him to go pro. I, I also would not dispute that. I just, for me, if you're one of these top teams looking for a franchise quarterback, can you seriously look at a guy who is protected by Alabama's? offensive line which we know over the years has been incredible and has yet to make it through an entire season without a big injury if you put that man on the dolphins team with that offensive <laughs> line you're telling me you think he's going to be a franchise yeah. he won't last the preseason i, just, I definitely think got better stats I, than most I other quarterbacks, but yeah i definitely agree there hasn't been an alabama quarterback that's been really good in the nfl i think joe burrow is a bust too remember. i don't think he's gonna do anything either in the Bengals. he's not getting drafted into the right situation i think he's I gonna think, struggle for a while i think that's definitely a possibility i mean when you look at what he's done this year that's in large part to the system that he's in i mean he didn't have anything like this in his previous seasons so, I mean, if he can get into a system that smartens up and, and really calls the plays to really get around him, then he might have some early success. But I'm right there with you where it might be some struggles for him. Yeah, I think he's going to be awful. But I also will say this about at least our generation, Generation Z. I think we all fall under that, even though we're called millennials. Um, we're too quick to call people bust, though. 
is the thing. It's I like, so, yeah. yeah, like I feel like if if prospects are at least, especially uh, first round like quarterbacks don't work out, like Dwayne Haskin right now is literally Yeesh. called an absolute bust. Like she she's like terrible. Like he's called a bust right now. Unfortunately, like not drafted into a good situation at at all. Terrible ownership, and this is my Redskins. For like it's, and we're already calling him a bus. Not even giving the man another chance for like five, a five year career at the hardest position when he only had one year in college. Same thing I with Trubisky. The biggest problem about like this this decade and kind of the the way we are with the NFL is that like most teams they think that the thing that's going to save their team is drafting a good quarterback, and then all that pressure is put on one player versus the the multitudes of other problems that a lot of teams have. And I think a lot of that pressure also gets the players as well, where it's like, you know, these guys are still, I mean, 20, you know, from their 22, 24 age range, and they're expected to keep an entire franchise on its feet, especially in the first year. So I mean, lo- long are the years of like when you would, you would get a quarterback off the board and like have him sit for a season and the, or two and then, and then come in. So Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I would yeah, say there's yeah. no Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is very many like, franchises go straight from having Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that was kind of a... Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, the Ravens... Jimmy 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 Young. Joe Flacco to the... Oh, old my God. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> oh, but uh, no, Lamar Jackson's... The, I, I'm not... This is going to be a hot take. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are the issue in social media age now. Everybody just expects that type of talent to come out of the draft. Like, yeah, Lamar and, Jackson and, took a full year to develop and to learn, like, the scheme that he's going to fit in the best. Well, at but, the same and time. And Patrick Mahomes did, too. Yeah. At the same time. He's had a full year. Harbaugh took such a gamble in completely revamping that offense and and bring and change down his offensive staff and to make it work for, for Lamar. And so, I mean, for a lot of these guys coming up next, they, they might need that same thing to really excel and have that, you know, year two MVP caliber season. The way that Mahomes and and it looks like Lamar is going to have, yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. it's definitely going to change kind of the the face of the NFL a little bit. That's going to be kind of the the mainstream quarterback now is is kind of that that style for a little bit, and it'll probably go back more to to the more traditional style after that. But yeah, they're definitely getting a lot of buzz based on their success as of recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, another team seems to take the cake because last year it was Mahomes and the Chiefs it yeah. seemed unstoppable. Now it's Lamar and the Ravens. It seems like this trend of like these young rookie QBs coming in, changing their entire off. No, I mean, and people are ignoring that Mahomes is back right now. Mahomes is still doing the insane things, MVP level back right now in the playoffs. And the Chiefs have rested the entire, or not in the playoffs yet, but they're the playoffs are starting. Uh, the Chiefs have been rested, and they're finally back to being somewhat healthy. I think people are and their defense is much improved too. No one's really talking about that. I think they have like the number one passing defense. Tyrone Matthews, which is insane. Yeah, Yeah, you got the Honey Badger. They they traded for Frank Clark. Yeah, they've got you know they're just really doing great on defense, which was kind of their you know heel last year. So that's that's really good on them. I know. We want to go ahead and start talking about the the playoffs for this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's run the game. I'll get I'll get the lines up. Okay. Um, so we all know what happened last week. Uh, you know, we had some upsets. Uh, ooh, so, ooh, so good. Uh, some upsets. upsets. Maybe a little little upset brewing in Foxborough last week. Uh, I think everyone here loved to see that. Um, Austin, <laughs> our, our eyes on the ground. You know, they uh, 
we had Austin in Foxborough last week. So while we're getting the lines pulled up, Austin, you want to talk a little bit about your marvelous experience up north? Of course, I would love to. So I will start by saying that uh, pretty much every Patriots fan walked into that game very cocky. I don't think any of them were scared of Tennessee. Uh, not as scared as they should have been. Um, you know, that Especially offense is pretty up a loss good lately. Yeah, you know, they're coming up a loss to Miami. They were thinking this is a bounce-back game. Last week was a fluke, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, their defense is going to shut down Tannehill and Derrick Henry. There's no way they're going to score, which they really didn't. But – I mean, they they were they went in this game all cocky. Easy rebound game. They're not going to lose at home. They haven't lost at home in the playoffs since like 2008 uh, or 2010. No, they lost at like home that. in the playoffs uh, on the 2012 season uh, to yeah. the Baltimore Ravens Towards in the, the Ravens, AFC yeah. Championship. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Elite MVP. With the Elite uh, Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> Joe Flacco. Oh, no, but it was they were they were very very cocky, and I will just say that. It was so funny walking out of there because it was a complete different change in, you know, cold. And you were wearing a Miami beanie the, the whole game. I was wearing a Miami beanie. You know, I got a lot of, <laughs> what are you doing here? And I was like, well, really, we're the reason you're here right now. Had you beaten us, you could be on your bye resting. True. But you didn't uh, get the job done. And yet here you are losing again at home to a team that you thought you were going to beat. Does Ryan Tannehill still have the highest rated QBR right now? Uh, yes. Yes. In the NFL? Yes. Really? I did, Even I was, after only yeah. throwing for 72 yards last week? I don't, I don't know. I do go It may, it may be Jackson now, but as of, you know, when before the game started last week, he was the leading NFL in QBR. Yeah, and I was going to say, he that was some crazy stat when he came in and took over for Marcus Mariota, that he, like, had the highest QBR rating. That's He's been playing lights out. That's my quarterback. Career, to but... this point. I mean, you're seeing why. Yeah, um, that, that was a, a really good game. Uh, I mean, Henry, do you, do you think back. that the Patriots dynasty is over? Yes. Yeah. 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 Hey, little, no, I, I think it. what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to draft Tom Brady 2.0 and Jake Fromm and just keep this train rolling. <laughs> They've got Jared <laughs> Fulham already. Gosh, uh, no, here's, what a here's, take. Here's the thing that has happened. Bill Belichick has known it's over basically wanted to get rid of Tom two years ago. And get Jimmy, or yeah, get Jimmy G going. But uh, Robert Kraft has some hard on for Tom Brady and wants him to stay around forever, and is forcing Bill Belichick to keep Tom Brady around and still force this. All right, I'm gonna so, come out and say that the Patriots dynasty is not over. So, I think. Ooh. Okay. I, I think that Tom Brady's not gonna leave, and that they have yeah, that was another, already, another I, year. I agree he's already with that. said he's staying. Yeah, he announced today he's well, on he the Well, he announced that he's staying in the NFL. He, he's still I, an impending free agent, though. Yes, that's, that's true. Mind. He has an impending free agent. He has yet. not re-signed yet. I mean, he married a woman with a higher net worth than him, so he <laughs> could take pay cuts his entire life and his entire career. The Pats are just going to come over the top, give him everything he actually deserves and has earned through his career now, and he's going to finish out in two years. Yeah, I truly don't, I don't see him leaving. I, I really don't. I, I think he's either – I think he'll retire with the Patriots. I think it's just going to be really interesting and really fun to watch this dynasty fall apart. Oh, it's going to be great. Other I don't than think they're going to fall apart. Other I, than think, him now, I, I think that they're going to still be fine. When they still have Brady and Belichick, the two of them, it doesn't matter what situation you put at them, they're going to win 11 games. This well, could, uh, it's the beginning of the end. I don't know. I don't know. I see, this Wait, is like Daniels, though. looking at his way out of the team as well. Wait, well, where's he going to go? 
Josh McDaniels. He uh, apparently yeah, he, he put in uh, some some talk for like interviews. He like opened up his schedule to have interviews from other teams already, before he, the game. I'll tell yeah, you that all of I'll the spots have been taken up except for the Browns. Right. Uh, that's. But you can I'll, still. I'll I mean, you, they Josh. can still fire anyone at this point. That's hold true. on. I'll tell you Josh McDaniels' interview schedule. It's been released. He legitimately he has like three back to back interviews. Uh, Adam Scheffner put it out. This is the same guy though that didn't he didn't he want to go to the Colts or whatever and then and then decided he wasn't minute. going. No, yeah, he got, so, I mean, no, he I think he like signed the contract right, and yeah. everything, right. and then literally backed out of his exactly. signed contract. So here's, you know, it's <laughs> okay. Jake, the, go ahead. Here's the Josh McDaniels. Uh, here's the Josh McDaniels scoop. Uh, he had an interview with the Panthers. Tuesday, he had, Wednesday, he had an interview with the Giants, and this Friday, he has an interview with the Cleveland Browns. Those are the three teams he is interviewing well, with. The Giants have already hired somebody, and the Panthers hired somebody else. So the Browns is his only option. Yeah, I'm saying, like, there's a decent chance that McDaniels doesn't leave. I'm, I think that there's a good, decent chance the Patriots dynasty is not yet over. It's close. We're, we're very close. Wherever yeah. McDaniels goes, though, Tom Brady's going. I think that wherever he is now, particularly if he stays with the Patriots, I think the Patriots will win in spite of Tom instead of because of Tom now. I uh, think that defense mm. is taking the reins now. I mean, it just showed. I mean, he did not look as poised and as accurate as he normally does. His deep yeah. ball still there, but just his short out routes. I mean, especially if Edelman's not open and he's still got to target, you know, these new receivers he's got coming in. I think it's like the 2015 Broncos where, you know, the defense is going to the carry or do at least a large part of the load. I don't think they'll win because of Brady anymore, but in spite of it. Speaking yeah. of the wide receivers, the Giants head coach hire of the Patriots wide receiver coach was terrible. He has developed what? zero talent since he has been there. So how do you expect him to come in from that, a positions coach, to Let's, a let's head coach of a let's stay away from the NFL coaches yet, and let's go back to focusing on the playoffs. All right, so yeah. we, ta we talked a little. We, we talked about the Patriots. Let's just finish going over through last week's games. So okay. we also had another upset. I called the Vikings. We had the Vikings over the Saints. I thought crazy. that was a really big upset. This is how yeah. good the Saints were looking and how inconsistent as the Vikings have been. That one really shocked me. That Vikings really should be a top too. three team in the NFL. I just don't agree Stand with that at that. all. Yeah, no. Stand by that. They have literally one of the best defenses in in the NFL, if you look up the stat, and a top That's 10. Uh, I think they're the only NFL team that was top 10 defense and top 10 offense to finish the year. Alvin Cook coming back was definitely a huge boost. I mean, it takes a lot of load off of Kirk Cousins, who actually still performed really well, but having Dalvin Cook back. Yeah, they have a premier running back. They have arguably the best wide receiving core. A one-two punch at least, and then their only their offensive line is good, not great, and then they have an elite defense, and they have uh, right now Vegas has it as uh the coach of the year, their head coach I can't remember his name, they have him winning coach of the year. Yeah, I mean they definitely yeah. have the pieces, and and they showed that um they showed that this past weekend. I just think I I was still pretty shocked that it happened. I mean. Um, oh, yeah, no. you know they got the best from a couple of years ago with the um, what are the the Minnesota Miracle and everything. Kidding. But um, yeah. I was so I, I was shocked going into the Superdome. Um, that place is always a hard place to win, 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, and those football fans down there with, with the Saints looking hot, with LSU coming into town in the next week for national championship spot, I mean, that place was, I'm, I'm sure, just rabid. And, and to come out with a win there, it was, it was pretty impressive for the Vikings. And then, so then the other two games, we... Uh, Texans-Bills. Probably Texans one, Bills. Another yeah. great what game. game. What a game. Josh Allen. Yeah. What Josh was he thinking? Josh Allen was a madman. I've been saying it for years, man. The pitch <laughs> is such a good play. But Josh Allen, not only did he take <laughs> my philosophy, he decided he would just throw the ball randomly toward where he thought a guy might be in one of the biggest moments in the in He the looked up. He, he looked and saw the guy and then did it. He just threw a really bad pitch. you got to respect the absolutely ballsy play. <laughs> oh, that he, happened. Deal, it man. was wild. I Josh Allen didn't see much of it. The air out of the room with the gas. It was I, the I just Bills do not put Josh Allen in a position to lose. The Josh Allen just finds a way to lose. I'll the tell Bills you what. Are also the, a great the team. refs put a position. Put the uh, Bills in a position. Yeah. To, That's another call because about. the Bills should have won the if game. They had that touchdown. No, no, common should have been a touchdown. Yeah, I should have been a touchdown. I mean, that's I, – I agree that with the refs at the time, I, and me and Clay watching it, I said, like, he basically gave himself away. He tried to. But according to the rule book, if we're going to talk about going back to the rule book and the catch earlier, you have to, like, take – you have to take a knee or fair catch. You can fair catch also on kickoff returns in the end zone. Yeah, and I just don't see – like, I, I get the argument that people are making that he's giving himself up and stuff like that. But, like, if you're going to do, like, some fake return where you're going to, like, pretend like you're going to kneel and then go something like that. Do the... And then people are going to say, like, I, I get the argument against that. It's like, well, if you're doing that, you're not going to go hand the ball to the ref or something like that. The but fake like, clock. But I just, I just don't, like, if you're dumb enough to go catch the ball and then not kneel it and just give it up, like, come on. This is football. It's a professional sport. You should be held to a standard. Like, talk about the uh, your analogy, the the fake um, the fake spike. Yeah, like if you're uh, if you're on defense and the offense is gonna do a fake spike and then throw the ball, like yeah. you can't go to the ref and be like, yeah. but I assumed that he was gonna spike it. Like, play no, to the whistle. Play to the whistle. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that really just just was cruel. Highway robbery of a Buffalo Bills touchdown. I mean, that everything about it looked like that was. I think common sense was like y'all are saying. You got a fair catch. You got to put put your knee on the ground. There's so many different trick plays that you've seen teams run by doing you know just crazy stuff with the kickoff and in the end zone and and dropping the ball and there's somebody laying in the paint and you know in your end zone yeah. paint and picks was the that ball Kansas. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean. When you see stuff like that, you, you can't just assume common sense, especially yeah. in a playoff game. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there was common sense. He did give him some. Yeah, but, like, he yeah, didn't do yeah. it to the rule book. That's my exactly. Idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think you, you just got to keep it like consistent. Like, if you're going to call stuff, keep it to the rule book. All right. And then right. Uh, the, the last well, playoff game of that week. Some... Yeah. Man. Uh, it was, yeah, it was really, like, the worst game. Eagles. Yeah, Carson yeah, was kind of surprising, really. I thought that was going to be one of the better ones. Seahawks versus the hospital, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do we yeah. think about that clowny hit? 
Uh, as a Carolina fan, I'm not yeah. going to say anything bad about it, but uh, as a casual <laughs> observer of the NFL, that one was uh, that one was rough to watch. Yeah. I, I'll say, like, uh, people that are going as far as saying that he should have been ejected for that hit, like, that's too far. Like, yeah. he obviously so. needed to get uh, – it should 100% have been a penalty. Yeah, I'd agree with oh, that. Oh, yeah. One. Like, that's, that's obvious. That is a straight-up miss by the refs. Yeah. But the fact – getting ejected, like – Come on, like it wasn't like it I was think, bad, but it was just unfortunate that he happened to get concussed and out for the rest of the game. I think of what course, like was course. fueled to that fire too is wasn't it after the game he was like celebrating it or he was like trying to rile fans up as well and it was just like clowning. Yeah, because they were like, booing him and everything. Yeah, um, yeah, was yeah like, that was a you bad just look. Keep your head down, man. Yeah, I felt bad for Wentz because a lot of people were you know shitting on him for the injury again because you know he's had that, in- that injury problem, but that's like totally out of the realm of his control i mean yeah you know, that's a different back the head like that, that that's that's totally not on him i don't think you can put that on him at all i mean if you're getting soft tissue injuries every other week then that's one thing but i mean when you get somebody just power driving that's i mean you can't control that at all yeah it's it's kind of tough to blame on wins there yeah, yeah. yeah. you want to go to these upcoming weeks yeah games? i got i got i got the spread uh right. we'll just run through the spread and we can give our yeah, everybody can give a quick, quick opinion on it since we got four more games to go to uh vikings 49ers uh the 49ers are minus seven over under i I like i like like the 49ers like they're they've looked really good i still i'm still not sold on the vikings yeah i got the 49ers i i I pick 49ers niners y'all are all betting on them to cover the spread at minus seven too yeah i I think they'll also cover the spread i I just think they've their their defense. I don't see the Vikings scoring too many points on that Niners defense. Um, I really don't. The score line for it is forty four and a half as well. If y'all want to come, on. honestly, I'd probably go under. I don't see this game I, being a high scoring game. I'll go under on the scoring I'm as well. Go under on both, honestly. Um, Vikings, Vikings, and Forty ers both run the ball a really a lot. I think it's going to be a quick game. Quick yeah. Game. Uh, Titans Ravens, uh, Ravens minus 10. I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking it. I'm I, taking I, it. Uh, I, I, <laughs> Homer, <laughs> I think, I think, I, I think this is the toughest game to call. I think the Titans are the one team the Ravens didn't be. And oh, well, I think this is an easy pick for me. It's Ravens, but uh, Titans plus 10. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, man. I, I, 10's a, 10's a I lot truly... of NFL. The thing about Baltimore is we know what they are. We know that they're an extremely good team. We know what they've done this season. For me, the Titans are, are kind of a an under-the-radar, flying under-the-radar team. They're, they're a hot, hot team. They're coming in. They just beat the Patriots in their own stadium. I would not be surprised if this is, like, the best game of the week. I'm not saying that one team's going to win, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Titans are going to surprise some people because, I mean, they, they've surprised people in the last couple weeks. Just with their last few results, I think it'll be a good game. You had the leading rusher yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, it all comes down to if Derrick Henry shows up that game. I mean, yeah, he's, he's been crazy recently. But I want to go back to the comment about the one team the Ravens didn't want to see. You know, I know one of the the things you hear in sports all the time is you know it's hard to beat a team twice. And when you look at the teams in the playoffs, I think I think the Titans and the Chiefs are the only ones that we haven't beat this year. So. I was wanting to see the Titans because when we are facing a team for the first time, when you see that offense, when you see that offense on film versus on the field, it's completely different as we've seen from the last 12 teams that Ravens have played this year. 
And I mean, sure, there's been some close calls, some different things, but um, but I I mean, I, I was rooting for the Titans to beat the Pats, not just because everyone here hates the Pats, but because I didn't want to face the Bills or the Texans um, coming off that first game, who we probably were going to see. Um, they it, have better defenses, thinking. too. They have better defenses as well. I just think the Titans are, are just coming in hot. Like, I mean, I agree, but you got to ride that momentum. That's like the Eagles and Nick Foles. Like, they just rode his momentum. Like, it was insane. Um, all right, we'll move on. Texans, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs minus 10. I, I'm Texans, Texans were bad last week. Texans I mean, have the worst defense of the teams left I'm, in the playoffs. And so I think the Chiefs just roll. Yeah. yeah, I'm all in on the Chiefs, too. Yeah. Unless gonna, we see I'm that fourth to quarter to Sean Watson, but I'm, I'm picking the Chiefs as well. All um, around, they're just a much more solid team. Um, Seahawks Packers minus four and a half. I got the Seahawks, and not to be honest with you, I got the Seahawks winning the that game. That should be a great game. Um, Russell Wilson, best road co- quarterback this year. Yeah, I think I'm going with Seahawks as well on that one. I mean, it's going to be tough to take down the Packers and Lambeau, but I just feel like the the Packers have kind of flown under the radar this season. Especially, I, I was about to say, like, I just yeah, they have a really great when record. I saw that Green Bay was thirteen and three. Yeah. It it honestly like I didn't think that they were that good. I thought they were going to be like a wild card team, and I noticed they were thirteen and three. Like, yeah, that's a really good record. That's one game away from Baltimore's record, which yeah, and and everyone's talking about Baltimore. Like, I think Green Bay is really priming themselves. Like, they've flown under the radar now. I I think Green Bay is going to cover this spread. I think they're going to win at home. Yeah, it's hard to put. I'm really interested. Green Bay has been terrible. Second half, though, they have not made adjustments all year long. Like, I will say that the, that the down, Packers do down. score all of their points in a very short amount of time and then kind of coast the rest of the game. I but hear, with that being uh, said, I'm still picking the Packers because it's about to be bad weather. It's in Lambeau. There's no way uh, to prepare yeah. for anywhere yeah. for, for that weather except actually being there and practicing there. Yeah. I'm I don't the Packers. know. I, I I stick with Russell Wilson still. I think Russell Wilson. He had one loss, one or two losses. He had a better road record this year than he did out. Yeah, best road Russell Wilson. Just crazy because Seattle's where... one of the best home teams statistically in the past couple that's, years. That's why when I saw that stat, I was like, "That's insane." Also, my roommate has a boy, number ninety, that the Seahawks. So there. Um, well, that's that's good. Get, he's getting Super Bowl tickets for free if they make it, which is nuts. Um. So let's go so Seahawks all the way for your boy there. Random fact: Aaron Jones also was tied with Derrick Henry for rushing touchdowns on the season with 16. Really? Um, I don't. He Jones is weird though because he'll have a hit or miss game. As someone that had him in fantasy, I can assure you that. Um, <laughs> I, I think honestly though, no joke. I think this game comes down to Rodgers and how he does um, outside the pocket. You know, Clowney's going to be all over him. Seattle brings likes to bring the pressure. Um, I think it's going to come down to what Rodgers can do when he's got Clowney and people in his face. If they're, you know, doubling Adams, what other receiver is going to step up? Because outside of Adams, he's got a antique Jimmy Graham, and then really nobody else. So, uh, only thing I'm going to say for the, and then we can move on from this one. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. There's two things that matter more than anything else: quarterback and coach. First year coach, first year head coach. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers hasn't been bad this entire year, hasn't been able to make adjustments at halftime. I'm giving Russell Wilson the edge. He's actually in his prime. That's why I also think about that. 
All right. Yeah. So um, that kind of wraps up everything on the NFL playoffs. Uh, of course, you know, we'll, we'll probably have another episode coming out um, where we're going to break down this week's games um, more in depth after they happen. But um, so one thing, uh, this is going to be kind of a bit of muddy water right now. Um, basketball season. Um, Gamecocks, at least on the men's side, you don't really know how to approach that. Um, the women, Yikes. of course, are right where we think they're going to be, um, and, and really even more. Um, just to add that little uh, dose of happiness and light into this topic. But um, I think where, where most of the conversation goes right now is that men's side going from taking down the defending national champions at Virginia, scoring 70 points, looking really good, then coming back home and losing to Stetson and, and being rather uncompetitive against Florida. So there's a lot of takes that we can go through here. Um, and uh, let's see what y'all think about that. I, yeah, I have, I have a problem right now with this team. Um, You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think most would, but the way I see it, I, I've watched each of the last of these three games and just, I, don't look at this team and understand. I don't think they understand the dynamic that they're playing in. I, I see these things that they do well. And then we just go away from those things. And we like in the Virginia game, Trey Hannibal playing coach finally starts playing him more. And then we watch this game against Florida last night. The guy plays four minutes or two minutes Gets four points, and but we don't even give him a shot. I, I don't understand exactly what Martin's doing right now. To me, I feel like it's a testament kind of to the fact that there is no leadership on the team. I, he's, he's brought it up a few times that there's, there's not a Sedarius that's going to walk through the door and just take over this team. There's, there's not someone that's going to come in right now, as far as he's seen, to help the team, it's kind of on him to maybe find some leadership within that players, but I also think it's a lot to do with players and just not really having a solid mental foundation there. Well, I would yeah, say, and- like, this year is, like, finally the year that everybody's, everybody in the past past few years has always been like, well, we don't have the talent. Like, and then coming into this year, everybody's like, oh, Frank finally has a team that has enough talent that he should be able to make the tournament. And, you know, going through the start of the season, we'll, we would see, like, little runs of it, but, you know, we weren't doing anything special. And then we saw them all put it together for that Virginia game. And we got, all got really excited. And then it just falls apart. And is that on coaching or is that just on like, well, there's just some games where we just can't shoot the ball worth a damn. Like it definitely falls a little bit on both. I think, um, I, I think I, I had the conversation earlier today with some other people. I think if you, you got to go back and look at that tweet from Sundarius a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think it was just before the Virginia game talking about what it is like, you know, when you have young guys and, and Darius threw himself in that, in that pool, young guys who, you know, want to play their own game and, and want to, you know, do what they want to do. It doesn't necessarily work for Frank. But then when they start playing Frank Martin basketball, you know, you saw that that senior class especially go to places that our basketball program has 
never even, you know, sniffed before. Um, and, and I think you're seeing a lot of that in this team. Um, and so I think there's some responsibility in the players there. But at the same time, you got the responsibility falling back on the coaches where, you know, they have to make it where if they have something that they want to put out there, you know, they had to make sure that that's right for the group of talent they have currently. And they got to make sure they get it out of them. No, I – this is what happens. This is very simple. It's happened to us twice. We go in, we beat Kentucky. We beat Kentucky twice Our, so far. Me and Matthew, I've been there for both games. Me and Matthew stormed the court. We could beat the number one team if you come out and you get hot. All of these kids know how to hoop. At college basketball tournament, Kimball Walker got hot. Shabazz Napier got hot. You can win one game or go on four or five winning streaks if you just get hot. Our team's just not that great, unfortunately. Like, they're still just young. I look at a guy like A.J. Lawson and what he was able to do last year and how highly recruited he was, all the buzz around him, the fact that he had the opportunity, it may, it may not have happened, but had the chance to potentially go pro last year. And I'm watching him now, and does anyone think he looks like a lottery pick right now? No, no, like yeah. how did he I, I just don't like, understand it. Canadian national team like star, and then like he just turns the ball over and like he just like he has times where he looks really good, but like for as much as he's supposed to be our star, like he just hasn't looked that part. Is he just yeah. playing hero ball? It's true. Not is he much. Just trying to do it all. I don't know. I don't even think it is. Like, it just doesn't seem like that. That's what turnovers usually consist to. It's like one person, like, especially, uh, who was it? What was the guy that you liked a lot? Felder. That got kicked off the team? Yeah. Yeah. He he would always try to play hero ball. He would try to come back. He would take really dumb threes a lot of the time. People like it, and it's really fun, and it's really People like it when when they drop. Yeah, and it's really (laughs) exciting. That's clear. Yeah, it's really exciting. But, like... At the end of the day, he's playing hero ball. That's a bad shot. Like, you can sit there all day long. So I don't know exactly, or I haven't seen that much of footage of him this year. But that's what it sounds like, is he's just trying to play hero He's Well, they, he had a couple of games where, specifically, like, when we're losing to try and get back in the game. He'll, but I feel like that's not really where our problems have been. No, but for him, maybe. I don't know, but it just seems like he's just having some a couple of like weird, like just questionable decision making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's questionable yeah. decision making everywhere. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I didn't get to watch much of the game last night. I watched a small portion of the first half, and and even in that, you know, and we were we were competitive um, when I was watching. We actually were you know in the lead and 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 holding a bit of a lead for the period of time I watched and still we, we would get in that point where you, you'd get up by, by like two possessions and, and, you know, and you get the ball back and you kind of have that critical period where you might be able to kind of do something and, and start to kind of take control of a game. And, and it seemed like they would just hold the ball on the wings. And I saw it two or three times and they just, Florida just reached in, took the ball and scored in transition. And it was so frustrating to watch because it happened. I mean, every single time it felt like we got up by, by two possessions, I and mean, I'm only talking four points, but um, you know that you still have an opportunity there to to kind of assert some dominance, and especially when you're on the offense, and they just could not do anything every single time. 
they would give the ball up and give up points. And it was so frustrating. Looking at it kind of bigger picture, what do y'all like, what do you think we have to do for the rest of this season? And how does that like affect Martin's look outlook right now? Cause I'm a big Martin guy, but there's a lot of grumbling that at this point, I mean, face it, look, look how it is. It's we're eight and six right now. Oh, and one in the conference, the conference schedule gets lighter, but at this point, the tournament is slipping away for each game like last night that we lose, that small odds of that tournament is continuing to get smaller. And you're in year eight, and it just seems to me like like I'm a huge Martin supporter, but right now he just doesn't seem to have a foothold on this team. That's why they're so inconsistent. No, I agree. And, and like you said, with the tournament odds, I mean, I think even if you had a, a phenomenal run through the conference play – when you look at the the RPI or the the Ken Palm ratings, whatever you want to look at, that's gonna that's gonna make a impact on NCAA tournament decisions. That that Stetson loss, they were so bad that even with a win at Virginia, even with a, a miracle finish of the year, it's gonna take a whole bunch. I mean, I mean, probably you're looking at you got to win the SEC to get to get to the dance. With that, I, yeah, unfortunately, it seems that way. I think that. At this point, so uh, assuming we don't have some mirror, we're not going to make the tournament. And so I, that will yeah. be one out of eight years with Frank Martin that we made the tournament. And I, we're not a basketball school. No. But one correct. of eight? Correct. Yeah. And and, especially when that one is a final four. Yeah, and the, everybody's one. just clinging to that. And I, I like Frank Martin. And I have – but – at this point, I th- I like this year. I've like finally like started listening to everybody a little bit and taking a step back. And I'm like, one of eight is just unacceptable. Like even if I, that one was really 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 good, like it is unacceptable. Um, I think one thing that also sh- maybe should be taken with a grain of salt is there were pieces to sustain success after that final four run, and. Every single one of them crumbled, and and it wasn't all necessarily inside of Frank's control. I mean, PJ left for the draft. Felder, we've talked about him a little bit already. I mean, he was supposed to be a piece going forward because he was only a freshman that year. He only played for us one year, if I'm not mistaken. But I mean, and he he had his issues, and and Frank did everything he could to to help him rebound and and come back around and, and become part of the team again. And just different things just fell through. I mean, he recruited Brian Bowen, but the NCAA is what the NCAA is, and he never was able to set foot on our court. So, I mean, every single time it looks like we are gaining momentum, something just hits us in the face and we take three steps back. Yeah, but at that point, like, once enough of those things happen, I think it's just time to move on. I'm anti-Frank. I've always been anti-Frank. You could ask Matt. Yeah, always yeah. been anti-Frank. Frank Martin is not a college basketball recruiting coach. It, it, it sucks to say. Frank's too hard. Frank's too hard. He just can't. He can't get big name recruits. Yeah, there's a lot Frank of people Martin's that would that would have that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, a lot of people have that opinion. Like, it's, yeah, he's, I guess he's it's not, a fair point. Like, it's it's what you get in player development, and obviously you've seen Frank Martin develop some players really well but it's it you really have to be that special type of person and martin said it himself like 
Right now, we don't have that special those special people that we had on that Final Four team. There's not a Sundarius, there's not a Michael Carrera that are going to come in and just absolutely buy in and compete right now. A and, Chris Silva. Yeah, a Chris Silva. Loves the school and loves the game. Like So I think that's the big thing for Martin right now is he's got to find that person or someone to step up and start start really working the team. I don't know. It's it's kind of up in the air right now. I'm going to keep watching just because it's, it's interesting. But I always thought it was right. kind of interesting going from watching South Carolina go to the Final Four. And then I think it was like one – was it the next year or the year after that Auburn went to the Final Four? And they kind of had similar starts where they were both kind of unknown uh, teams coming into basketball. They both hired coaches that uh, Bruce Pearl was a little bit more controversial than Frank Martin was, but it was like, we'll see what these guys can do. And I thought it was going to be kind of the same story where it was like Frank Martin was going to have a team that they could get recruits in coming and coming. And I think that's, I think that's a good, you know, a good example is that, you know, he's just not a, a player's coach where I think, yeah, you know, he's, he's not Bruce Pearl is like that. And it's, it's crazy to see uh, what they've been doing and where they they're undefeated when realistically it's like i think it could have gone both ways about those teams but i always just thought that was interesting albert's identity is also better in the fact of for the tournament play they get three-point shooters yeah we absolutely never had uh, who was the number four guy marino uh Wait. senior last year y'all went to the final you had, you had harper you had um Mac malik Moore. dunbar was also a great rebounder for yeah he yeah. was from spring valley where majority of this Shout podcast out. is from but who was like, malik dunbar he was oh, a sh- oh, yeah. transfer for spring valley when we weighed our state run um right. dude was insane really yeah. good um auburn was built better better player coach better history unfortunately we have zero names really True. for nba True. zero yeah, we've current got the names charles yeah. berkeley yeah, we've got Charles Chuck. Barkley is the most active recruiting member out of anybody in the entire world. He talks about it all the time. Dirk Nowitzki. Hey, I'll throw you, I'll throw you a hundred grand to come play for Auburn. Yeah, I, I think I that could be Army. what it takes. I think that could be what it takes for South Carolina is just getting one kind big of, class. Yeah, I think and it just takes one big. And I like Frank Martin. I mean, Frank Martin. I think is, is you know he's a decent coach. Obviously, he's had you know with the Final Four run, you can't really say that he's a terrible coach. But just having a personality that the players can kind of get behind is i think what's, what's going to be you know the next leg up for them whether that's replacing frank martin or having someone who's you know a cinderius type player to come back and and you know speak out for the team and everything and kind of help with recruiting i don't know but yeah i, I mean that's definitely something that they're lacking in yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah if we're talking about a lot of us think that it might be time for frank martin to get hired or fired who's what do hire? we think about yeah, that will then lead us to need to hire someone. Right. And do we trust Ray Tanner to actually hire a coach? He's the, <laughs> no, 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 no. That might be a whole podcast in itself. Ray Tanner. <laughs> I never I never got into that. Ray Tanner is actually probably the issue in every yeah. underlining issue. I like, never liked everything. him coming into that position. I mean, he had to get it, though. Yeah. He has Baseball. to. Yeah. I mean, this is like a whole very big topic that we get into. But... I, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there that I don't trust Ray Tanner to hire anybody right now. So, 
Nah. Yeah, that, this might be a, a dog days of summer topic for sure. Um, so we might <laughs> want to put a needle in this one. Because yeah. I'm sure this yeah. could turn into a Red, we could extra go on hour. For a while. And <laughs> yeah. Any of us have the time for that. Um, but I think uh, I think we've got a couple of things that uh, some of us want to um, get knocked out before we uh, we close this thing up. Yeah, um, I know Matt had Twitter? one story he wanted to go over. So uh, um, Matt, take away with uh, with your story here. Well, uh, let's just say I surf Twitter frequently, and you know, some some things stick out more than others. Obviously, we know that uh, we're gonna we're gonna highlight the Georgia Bulldogs today because you know. Why wouldn't you want to watch the anything bad about Georgia come out? So essentially, Georgia is losing a lot on offense. Uh, you're not really losing, in my opinion, much with Fromm. But uh, with three of their offensive linemen, I think either graduating or going pro, um, I think their best receiver might be gone. Obviously, they're running back. They're now it's coming out. Yeah, now it's coming out that. Cade Mays, who's a five, former five-star starting lineman for Georgia, is transferring, or at least... Uh, oh, Matthew cut out. His know. internet is not good right now. His internet's bad. Clipping. <laughs> the suspension I am on the edge of my seat. I am on the what edge happened? of my seat, Matthew. Matt also didn't tell uh, us any of this uh, topic, so like... Yeah, so now, now we're all going to sit in a dead zone. No. Well, I mean, we can go ahead and talk about Georgia. Yeah. Uh, the number of people that Georgia is... That he was alluding to, they're only returning two starters on their offense. That's Are crazy. they really? Yeah. That's nuts. They, uh, it is one of their offensive linemen and they, one of their other... Their number two receiver. Ooh. That's a freshman. Or was a freshman. Wow. I couldn't imagine that. So they're losing four offensive linemen, their number one receiver, and their quarterback, and their running back, running backs. So first year in a while, they don't have like an elite game. So I mean, they will be reloading with a lot of five star talent because Georgia's been recruiting so well. But like, I mean, even with all the talent that they had this year, Georgia's offense didn't even look great. So do we think that Georgia's South Carolina maybe has potential to do better than Georgia in the East next year. Ooh, I don't know uh, if I go that far. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't I'm like having that. my hot take. No, no, no yeah. No, my, my, my hot take. My hot take was Carolina not winning more than five games after what week was it, Clayton? Week four. Yeah, I think it was week three or four. Yeah, week four. That was a hot take. But yeah. I, like with. I mean, Georgia's defense will still be nasty. And their offense is going to be reloaded with four and five star players. But I don't know. Matt, like, you back in here? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, so I basically read this whole story again. Uh, no, no, my <laughs> internet had cut out. Um, oh, no. I, I thought it, I, I was like, man, this story must really not be that good. I'm getting no reaction. Then, uh, <laughs> um, so I'll go back to it. So hopefully, so hopefully I hold on this time. But essentially, Ken is five-star offensive lineman for Georgia. Um, future probably first-round draft pick. He's he's a good one that they've got. Um, his he's leaving Georgia. He's transferring from Georgia. He's put himself in the portal. His father had part of his pinky finger amputated at a Georgia athletic event. 
that when the folding what? chair he was in got wedged against a column that he was leaning against, the figure was put on ice, and the family is suing not only Georgia but the chair, the chair manufacturer. And Hold it's like on. a story <laughs> like this. I just don't. I don't. I could not believe it was real, but like, I mean, it's. Uh, so I have a I have a, a, so a mildly you, serious question here. So the family sues Georgia, and the family wins their lawsuit, and Georgia has a payout. Is that an NCAA violation? <laughs> <laughs> so so did he he get his finger stuck? And it was it like there was no other option but to cut his finger off, or was that just the first thing his dad went to? And how did he oh, cut no. it off? What, what I got you? from it is that his pinky finger legitimately got chopped off in this process. Oh, by the so chair. picked up the finger and put it on ice. Like, so is it reattached or is save it Save that still... for later. I, I have no idea. Maybe I will get an update on that at some yeah, point. Matt, I, I, I think you tra- need to... <laughs> the story. Yeah, I think you need to turn into uh, investigative... Uh, you know, investigative journalist this week and, and really figure out exactly what happened here. Maybe drop some DMs somewhere and, and find out what you can. All I gotta so say is this is... the transfer portal, it's it's getting to whole Carolina. new levels this decade. And let me tell you, this is only the beginning. So South Carolina think... has a new transfer, is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know. I... Possibly. Well, it, it could be possible. Know. Hey, yeah. we hey, don't are... tell Mark Ryan. Don't tell Mark Ryan we're back to Georgia. <laughs> oh, he might lose ooh, his mind. Ooh. There goes the Mark Ryan. Different uh, there is the first day. Mark Ryan. Topic for a different day. Uh, I just want to point out, we are redoing a lot of our seating at williams Bryce, so it might be the gateway to landing a new transfer recruit. Well, hopefully, oh, no fingers getting stuck on those new hope, seats. No. Hopefully, we won't bring any folding chairs. No, no. Uh, I imagine he probably will never trust anything he sits in again. Clear bag policy and no folding chairs in the 2020 <laughs> season. <laughs> oh man, it's not alcohol now, so that's that we. Got oh, that true. Yeah, so uh, we always pinkies in all new ways. We have Auburn's to still sell. Two, I think it was twenty thousand beers or two thousand some some two number beers to get rid of Muschamp to buy out his contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I think it was some, that, sorry, yeah, it was some crazy number. Two, yeah, FSU, FSU. I'm pretty sure did that last year, and they they got the money for the buyout. So you know, depending yeah, on what, yeah, your, that's, what your that's view what of our, that is, you know, we got some things going is. right in 2020. The big three sports haven't exactly done it, but uh, at least we can salvage something. Yeah, and and like we said a couple times, uh, buyouts and 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 big three underperformance is is something that we could fill many many podcasts with um in the future but i think that that right about wraps up the very first episode of the soda city sit down um we've got a lot coming up uh, in the next couple weeks so we're hoping to be back next week with with like i said talks about the uh the nfl playoffs what we've had so far uh, a college football playoff national championship um i think we're all going with the tigers on this one and uh we'll we'll, uh we'll see how it wraps up but um if you're still listening at this point we thank you and hope to have you back again in the future